We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Can Anthony Richardson support Michael Pittman as a fantasy wide receiver? And how will Calvin Ridley fare in 2023? We're talking Jaguars and Colts projections on Roto-Viz Radio. What's up, Roto-Viz? Welcome into the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. I'm Dave Cabin, one of the owners here at Rotoviz. We are continuing along in our projection series. Uh, quick housekeeping note. I think that's what the term is. Uh, we did not record Curtis and I an episode earlier in the week this week because. Our 300th episode of the show since the podcast became the Dave and Curtis version of the Road of His Fantasy Football Show will be coming next week. So we took a little bit of time to plan that, to try to do something a little fun, a little bit different than other shows, make it a little special. Um, so look forward to a slightly different format for that show. We're trying to get some... Um, some fun takes from some of uh, the Rotoviz team, maybe some friends from other sites elsewhere. And uh, we will have a raffle, a uh, little contest that we're going to have. That's going to be pretty exciting. So uh, we will be back with an episode that we are going to record Thursday night. We'll come out on Friday uh, where we're going to be doing a best ball mania draft on underdog. Um, wanted to have a little bit of organic content there that we can work through live so that the rest of the week we could put towards planning some things, uh, not only for that show that's coming, but, uh, to catch up a little bit on what we th- want to do for a format in season this year. Anyway, let's talk some projections. Okay. So let's start with the Jaguars. And their play volume, excuse me, is where we will start. So last year, the Jaguars were 18 plays above league average. The team went nine and eight. Uh, I have a slight increase in play volume this year, uh, but nothing too significant. Last year, the team had a 57% pass to 43% rush split, uh, more or less holding that 
stagnant uh, with a 58% uh, to 42 split in favor of the pass. Now, Trevor Lawrence um, will get some production as a rusher. I have him slated in for three rushing touchdowns, around 300 yards. And when we are done with the projections for this team, we'll talk about where Lawrence finishes. Uh, For a lot of people this year, he falls into a section of quarterbacks behind uh, players like Joe Burrow and Lamar Jackson, but ahead of guys like Dak Prescott to uh, Kirk Cousins. Uh, So it's kind of like there's, for some people, this tier that maybe has Herbert, um, Trevor Lawrence, and Deshaun Watson. Some people might consider Herbert a little bit ahead of them. But we'll see if he falls out there. At running back, uh, Travis Etienne is going to be the RB1, as we would expect. Last year, he had a share of 50% of rushes, a target share of 8%. Was efficient as a rusher, actually, at 5.1 yards per carry. Punched in five rushing touchdowns. This year... I have him taking a little bit of a bump up to a uh, rush share of 53%, target share of 9%. Do expect Tank Bigsby behind him to get around a quarter of the rushing work, uh, not to play too much of a role as a wide receiver in the baseline projection. As a result of this, you have ETN, and I do have him fairly efficient as a rusher, uh, six touchdowns, two receiving touchdowns. 44 receptions that's for etn um and this gets him to a baseline projection rank of rb15 in these projections with guys like jameer gibbs if uh, alvin Kamara, who we talked about prior who i to simplify things at the start projected for a full season he'd be in that range it's looking like Kamara is going to get suspended so we'll have to make some adjustments um also, players in this range, uh, you'd have him a little bit ahead of the likes of J.K. Dobbins uh, and Ken Walker. Back to ETN, though, right? So let's say that um, I am expecting that uh, he's not going to get as much work as he actually does. Maybe the scenario could play out where he gets up to like a 60% workload as a rusher. This would catapult him up to being the RB12. So it's kind of interesting here in that there's a lot of opportunity share that he could gain. However, with the way that the tiers kind of fall out at the running back position, and I know people hate when we say running back position, wide receiver position, because it's inherent that they're positions, but whatever. Um, Because of that kind of tier break with some of these players ahead of guys like ETN having such large roles and, you know, other factors that contribute to them having very high scores, there's only so much room that you'd expect ETN to creep. But he could be a fringe RB1 if things were to break his way. I would say that the downside scenario for ETN uh, would probably come from him just being like a one hit 
wonder if you will in just falling off from a from an efficiency perspective there's not too much that you would tweak that would really bring him down I don't think you'd make too many adjustments to the workload as it was fairly conservative and I don't think you're going to see a situation where Tank Bigsby comes in and commands something like 60% of the share Uh, so it's almost like the downside that you would expect for him is if it doesn't go well it really doesn't go well um but to highlight things a little bit more, let's just say that he got a rush share of 45%. This would drop him down to somewhere around the RB21. So from a reasonable perspective of building a range of outcomes from playing with things like efficiency uh, and opportunity share as a rusher, you're probably looking at him either like a fringe wide receiver, excuse me, a fringe RB1 or back end RB2. I suppose you could say that we should increase the target share and the rushing share, but I I would say that with Evan Ingram there at tight end, excuse me, Kirk, Ridley, and Jones as the wide receivers, you're probably not going to see him rise too dramatically in terms of target share. Um, Bigsby, in this baseline case, does not come out, as you would expect, uh, too high. He's running back 44. Let's say that he was able, though, to get something like a 6% target share and maybe 33% of, uh, of carries. This would move him up to... Um, running back 31. So if you think that's a realistic possibility for him, that might make him even more appealing of a target with where he is going. Um, in some cases you're finding him in like the mid forties in terms of, of running back ADP. As far as the wide receivers go, I think that's the spot that becomes a little bit more interesting this year. Now, last year, you had Christian Kirk controlling a target share of 23% in his first year with the team, recorded eight receiving touchdowns, went for over 1,100 yards. You also had Zay Jones playing a pretty sizable role in that offense there uh, where he actually controlled a target share of 22%. And finally... If you looked at the tight ends on the team, you would see that Evan Ingram recorded around 17%, and there was some change that went to the other tight ends. If we move that forward into this year, I do think that the presence of Calvin Ridley adjusts things some. I have Calvin Ridley going for 23%, a little bit higher uh, than what Kirk had last year. He falls out of my baseline projection this year at 20%. You have Ingram at a share of 16%. And Zay Jones, I do think that we see hold on to a pretty decent workload for a wide receiver three with a share of 15%. So an interesting thing happens here. Unless you make any large changes to what you would expect in terms of efficiency uh, for Christian Kirk, and you kind of take what we saw for Calvin Ridley, The last time he played, which as a reminder in 2021, hit a catch rate of 60%. Uh, This was in five games, 31 receptions on 52 targets, 281 yards, two touchdowns. 
That's not too useful. Might help for context here. If we look at his 2020, we had a target share of 26% for Atlanta. Uh, caught 63% of his passes, had 1,374 yards and nine receiving touchdowns. So I assume that Calvin Ridley finishes somewhere near there, holding those efficiency numbers somewhat in place. You actually end up with him getting a higher workload in terms of receptions. Uh, but I do think it's possible that we see Christian Kirk actually putting up more touchdowns this year. I think both players are going to come in somewhere around five or six touchdowns, uh, you know, maybe seven. I would expect combined between them, you're landing somewhere around 12 to 13. So we'll just have to look at the split. This puts both of those guys in a position where in your baseline projection, maybe Ridley somewhere around wide receiver 21. Christian Kirk is somewhere around wide receiver 25. Can this offense and Trevor Lawrence support two guys that are low-end wide receiver twos? I actually think that it is possible. I would not say that that is the most likely outcome, but it certainly is in play. Given that these projections come out pretty similarly, you might question which player makes more sense to go at for ADP. I would say that I have actually come around to the idea of favoring Ridley, and that is because I do think that there's more upside for Ridley than there is for Kirk um, in the scenarios that I think are more likely to play out. I do think it's possible you see something where Ridley ends up getting a target share of, I don't know, 26%. And if that happens, you have Ridley all of a sudden vying with players like Keenan Allen, Devonta Smith to try to squeeze his way into wide receiver one territory. Now you could say the same thing about Christian Kirk. Sure. You could expect that there's a slow process for Ridley of getting back involved. Maybe he's not quite as good as he was last time he played. And that allows Kirk to remain the team's wide receiver one, or you could argue that Zay Jones gets phased out more. Uh, Christian Kirk is able to go, somewhat in stride with Ridley and targets where both are up around 26%. Feels more likely to me, though, that it's Ridley. Zay Jones, with his 15% target share, maybe around four touchdowns, uh, somewhere between 11 to 11 and a half yards per reception, comes in at wide receiver 55. Now, there's probably fairly limited upside uh, for Zay Jones. That said, this is an offense that I think continues to improve. Zay Jones being the wide receiver three in it, I think becomes a player that uh, could fill in for your team in redraft leagues. I think he has a reason to be on some best ball rosters. So I'm, I'm more in tune with um, selecting Zay Jones this year than I would have ever thought that I was heading into last year. Uh, we'll close off here by looking at Evan Ingram. Um, should have a catch rate of around 70%. I'd expect somewhere around five to six receiving touchdowns. He is being drafted pretty uh, favorably this year by many people. In my baseline projection, he comes out at tight end eight. This falls very reasonably in line with where people are selecting him. I do think that Engram falls into that category of tight ends 
that you would select if you're prioritizing the position, but not going and grabbing one of the players like Kelsey Andrews, maybe Hawkinson or Kittle very early on. All of this leaves us with Trevor Lawrence coming in. Let me set some, some things back here in the file that I'm playing with. All of this leaves him with got one more adjustment to make here. So I apologize. A projection that gets him presumably somewhere at quarterback eight or quarterback nine, right around where he's being drafted. Uh, so from a projection standpoint where Lawrence is being valued this year does make sense to me. Um, I think you're probably looking at a player that goes for around 26, 27, 28 touchdowns passing and maybe gets to 4,600 or so yards. Then you also have a little bit of rushing production helping him out there. And uh, Lawrence is a pretty exciting pick this year. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Indianapolis. Now, there's a couple of things that make this difficult here. Obviously, if this Jonathan Taylor situation erupts and Taylor does not play in Indianapolis, we have a huge cascading effect of his presence being pulled away and that impacting the projection. We're going to assume, though, that Anthony Richardson is the quarterback for the overwhelming majority of the season, that Jonathan Taylor gets 65% of the rushing share, Richardson gets around 18%, Leaves pretty much no work for any of the other running backs. My projection assumes six rushing touchdowns for Richardson, five yards a carry, adding almost an extra 400 yards with his feet. Once we talk about the rest of the team, we will come back to Richardson. So Taylor, I think you're looking at somewhere around 4.3 yards per carry in your baseline projection. 
as a reminder in 2022, he accounted for a rushing share of 64%. The year prior was at 67. Um, he's been a very efficient rusher. Uh, you could argue that 4.3 is too low. In the way that I do things out, I put that in for a player I expect to be fairly efficient. A large tweak, though, to this really wouldn't move the needle too much. What's better to focus on here are his rushing touchdowns. Now, last year in 11 games, he recorded four. Back in 2021, he recorded a ridiculous 18 across 17 games. As a rookie, had 12 rushing touchdowns. I have him slated in with 10 this year. Uh, some of that being that I have significant questions about this offense. Uh, the play volume is going to be about 90 plays below league average. Not too confident about this team's ability to move the chains in situations that will keep them on the field and also to get them into position for Taylor to easily go for more than 10 rushing touchdowns. Uh, I do have him slated for two touchdowns receiving. The long and the short of it is he still looks to me like an RB1 in a projection process, even expecting that the team's going to have some offensive struggles. He just doesn't reach his way into the top half of running back rankings. Uh, and I think when I'm considering him a bit more subjectively, or going through a different lens to think about Taylor this year. That's, that's kind of the light that I'm viewing him in at wide receiver, Michael Pittman, uh, clearly the wide receiver one last year. He had a target share of 26% was at 26% the year before have him at 27% this year. Um, as far as touchdowns go, Despite the introduction of Richardson, um, I'm keeping his touchdowns fairly in line with what we've seen from him at four receiving touchdowns. The struggle for him, though, I think could be catch rate um, via the looks coming from Richardson. Now, he has had a very solid catch rate. I do only have it, though, at 55% this year, which I think is something people could easily push back on. So we'll explore that in a minute. Um. This puts him at a pretty pedestrian projection that gets him to, well, pedestrian might not be the right word, rank of 34 among wide receivers, over 1,000 yards, four receiving touchdowns, 79 receptions. So what happens if you're like, all right, that, that is ridiculous to put him at 55%, put him back at 65, a little bit lower than his average across the last two seasons. If you make that tweak, that puts him up to 93 receptions. And if you look at wide receivers now, that would move him up to wide receiver 18. This is one where I could tell you that I think I would be of the mindset that it's more prudent to expect that Pittman does not achieve a projection or achieve an outcome that looks similar to what we see when we make that tweak, but I could understand counter arguments to it. Josh Downs, um, Alec Pierce, Isaiah McKenzie, I think these players are all going to be vying for a fairly, fairly similar target share. As a result, 
I don't view any of them as significant uh, fantasy players for the coming year. Josh Downs may be down the stretch. You see a bit of a pickup for him. But again, I think my larger concerns about this offense as a whole, as a result of Anthony Richardson taking the reins there as quarterback, prevents these guys from making um, an impact in a process like this. Uh, I think Curtis mentioned recently and gave some couple of blurbs on downs, but I do think it makes more sense to be looking at him uh, than Pierce and maybe also, yeah, and more than Pittman if you're looking to get into this Indian offense in some way. Finally, at tight end, uh, you have Jelani Woods and Mo Alley-Cox. I have Jelani Woods, who last year to target share of 8%, getting a little bit of a bump this year up to 10%. As far as tight ends go, uh, he's been pretty good in the yards per reception department. Actually pretty good as a touchdown scorer from a rate perspective. I have him at three touchdowns this year, only getting 400 or so yards. Uh, when you put all of that together and you look at him compared to some other ends, he does not come into even the tight end two range. It looks more like a back end tight end three. I don't think there's too much of an upside case to make for him. So I think that really covers all that we need to do as far as the players outside of Richardson are concerned in Indianapolis. Problem for Anthony Richardson here is you're going to end up with him only, only putting up somewhere, I would say, between 14 to 16 passing touchdowns. Now, the six rushing touchdowns and the extra yards as a rusher do help still though you're probably not going to see him getting firmly past anything but a low end QB two, in my opinion, as a result, I'd say that I think he's being significantly overdrafted. Is there upside? Sure. Here's the thing though. Let's say that I'm right on him as a passer and the numbers are pretty hard. If I bump him up, Let's just say from six rushing touchdowns to 11 rushing touchdowns. This still puts him in at QB. Oh, wait, I got to make it. Got to make a quick update here. Um, I'm sorry about that. Give me one second here. Um, you're still not look okay. Yeah, I don't. I can't pull exactly where that change would make him fall out right now. But I will tell you that it is not going to get him up to the ADP that we see him at. And one of the major reasons for this is that the low touchdown rate really puts him um, significantly behind a lot of other passers where he's falling out. You know, the guys that are going in his range are at like 340 to 350. If he's at 260, even if you add in an extra six touchdowns, that's still keeping him very far away from those players. Um, so you have to add in those touchdowns. You have to add in a lot of yardage. 
it really, I think, for him to realize the upside hinges on him being a much better passer than we would anticipate. So I think the thoughts here of him being a Cam Newton-like player that can do so much with his feet is a little misguided this year because there's enough players out there that are doing somewhat of Cam was able to do in those years who also have more work as passers than what we would have saw maybe in the last couple of years of Cam's career, especially if you're thinking um, his year with New England and how he was able to sustain being a decent fantasy option basically just as a rusher. Uh, in the current landscape, I don't think that gets things done as much. So hopefully that makes clear why I'm not buying into the upside case for Anthony Richardson as much. When I'm in drafts and I'm seeing him go as the QB 10, QB 11 with people thinking that you're making this big upside play. But uh, as I've said, I think that is pricing you out of any upside you could achieve for him. So uh, next episode, we will be doing a best ball mania draft. Uh, I know some people don't always love listening to people just drafting teams. One of the reasons though that we do like to do it is it allows us to give more thoughts and our thought process when we are constructing a team uh, it also shows the conviction we would actually have on players. And then finally, it does give uh, an opportunity to give some more thoughts on players that we might gloss over otherwise. So uh, hope to see you all on Friday and really looking forward to uh, next week for our 300th episode. All right. Have a good one. Thank you for listening to the Rotoviz Fantasy Football Show. Send us questions at rvffshow at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter at DaveCabinFF and at CPatrickNFL. Leave us a voicemail at 978-615-9214. And make sure to rate, review, and subscribe.